Welcome to Profiles for WFIU. I'm Annie Corrigan. I'm Owen Johnson. I'm Moya Andrews. I'm your host, Perry Metz. I'm Shauna Ritter. On Profiles, we talk to notable artists, scholars, and musicians and get to know the person behind the persona. You just heard from some of the hosts who have appeared on Profiles over the years. I'm Yael Cassander. And I'm John Bailey. Welcome to the Fun Drive edition of Profiles, the weekly program that introduces you to people you may know, have heard of, or are just meeting for the first time. We're doing a best-of program, segments from some of our best interviews from the past year. And we're looking for you to give your best, too, through your pledge of support for this fantastic program that introduces so many people to WFIU listeners. Profiles presents individuals in the course of a casual conversation that touches on their personal lives and professional development. And a good story is always welcome. But before we get there, we're going to keep you hanging for just a minute and ask for your support. Please, please call and pledge. One caller is all it takes to break the ice and get the pledges rolling. Here are the numbers. 855-0811 or toll free at 1-800-662-3311. Or you can pledge on WFIU's secure website at WFIU.org where you can also find a fantastic array of thank you gifts. Go ahead, take a look. Do some holiday shopping or pick up something for yourself. We won't tell. That's WFIU.org. Are you someone who thinks that your contribution won't count because it's too small? Or you think other people will pledge so you're not needed? It's an easy conclusion to come to, particularly when you hear announcers talking about $365, $501,000 pledges. Yikes! Well, you're dead wrong. Sure, your station needs the big bucks to pay the mega thousands of dollars that programs cost, but after all the dollars are counted and the bills paid, guess what those managers are counting in the back rooms of their stations? They're counting the number of people who pledged and the number of people who are new pledgers. And if those numbers don't look good, they really start to chew their nails. They know that if members don't renew their membership and new listeners don't join the public radio family, public radio will go the way of the dodo bird. So you see, in public radio, there is no too small or not needed. Now, go make that pledge. Wendell Berry is a farmer, essayist, poet, and is also known as the grandfather of the slow food movement. In his interview with Shauna Ritter, Berry described his physical and emotional connection to his Kentucky farm community. I grew up among people uh, who who did shop in uh, stores for uh, coffee and seasonings and um, bananas, maybe, uh, but who lived largely from their own land. And uh, when you've done this over a period of time, especially from the pers- when you have the perspective of a changed time, you realize that living from your own place eating food from your own place makes you uh, one flesh, so to speak, with that place. 
you are made of your place. So as men and women become one flesh in in marriage, as the, the Bible says, so people who live from their own land become one flesh with their their home landscape. And uh, this, insofar as it's conscious, uh, is uh, profoundly intimate. You use the phrase, so far as it's conscious. How do we, at this point in time, make that more conscious for people who are no longer living on the land? Well, in the uh, days before cheap long-distance transportation, when a subsistence economy really was the backbone of of uh, family and community life, it was pretty much taken for granted. People had never done uh, in uh, uh, racial memory, had never done differently. Uh, so it becomes conscious and to some extent, because it has become rare, it's now again becoming less rare. But the poet Yeats said somewhere uh, that things reveal themselves going away. And for some of us, as we began to lose the old uh, way of rural life, uh, what it had been became vividly uh, clear to us what it was that we were we're losing. And then the ones of us who have tried to remain faithful to that old way, it has been conscious in a way that it wasn't before. That was Wendell Berry in a Profiles episode recorded last fall. We hope that, like Mr. Berry, a sense of place and home is important to you. That's why WFIU takes the time to produce interviews such as this locally. So pledge local. Make that trip to your phone or your computer and make a pledge. There will be a few questions, and we guarantee that you'll be able to answer them all. You may even find, after you look at all the fabulous thank you gifts available to you, that your holiday shopping list is a little shorter. Please make the call. Fund drives are successful only if people call to make a pledge. Here are the numbers, 855-0811 or toll-free at 1-800-662-3311. Or you can pledge on the web at WFIU.org. Please don't let the opportunity to help your local public radio station go by without doing your part. The guests on Profiles are varied. The stories, many. It's been an incredible array of individuals. Each one of them has made a mark, made a contribution in his or her own field, or has changed lives. Profiles gives you FaceTime with individuals who you may not have the time to speak with otherwise. Profiles asks the questions that you might ask if you had the chance, such as in this interview with sports broadcaster Dick Enberg. What does it take to be a great sportscaster? The writing foundation, knowing how to write a story, and to, you know, to be a journalist, if you will, is imperative to to one success and and young people don't like to write it's not it's too easy to use a computer and that half the time writes it spells it for you and corrects it for you that i'd like to think of a, every event as a is a play and then 
Uh, football, you have a four-act play, and in that first act, you better develop the characters, tell the fans who they are, make help the audience to care about the, what the drama is going to be, what it might be, and then it unfolds in the second and third period. Uh, like a murder mystery, you know, the crime is committed, and how will it be solved, and who are, who are the players in all of this, and and who do you eliminate from the process, and then at the end, it's going to climax in some way, and you hopefully can tie in that fourth act with the first act, and and how you presented the possibilities with the actual reality of a broadcast. So that becomes a, a nice little book, uh, and I think writers think that way. And 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 I I really believe that the best even to this day the best broadcasters in sports are those that could write a good good essay. You start with that, then you know you've got to be lucky. My parents gave me a terrific voice. I mean I I have nothing nothing to do with that. My dad had a broadcasting voice and inherited that from them. And then you have to have a passion for what you do. You know a, a fellow like Vin Scully was the poet laureate of. Uh, baseball. I mean, he's uh, at 82, still has his fastball. He's an inspiration for me. When you ask, going, how long do I want to do this? He's seven years older than I am, so I got at least seven. And I think that uh, there is a trust that comes from an audience that doesn't know you, but you're a fool if you think that they don't really get to know you. Uh, I think there are a lot of young people that they they yell out the information, thinking that's how you broadcast. They think it's not cool uh, when you, you feel something for a player and you're positive. It's a positive story that it's got to be journalistic and hard edge and find something wrong. And I don't think the audience – I mean, I'm not saying duck your head in the sand and ignore those things that aren't right. But I think the average fan wants to hear what's good about all this, and most of it is. And most of the people who perform that we talk about are really good people. You'd want to have them as your neighbors. So why, why does that make me any less journalistic to develop a positive story about a player or an athlete instead of a negative story? So, uh, and I think there's a, a trust that comes that the audience knows who I am and that I would rather promote what's good in, in life and in sport and support that than to try to find something that's wrong with it. I mean, it makes my life a lot happier. Dick Enberg visited WFIU this past year while in town for the premiere of his first play called Coach. And fun fact, Dick was a broadcaster at WFIU back in 1958 when he was a graduate student. It's interviews like these that make our day and make it worth your listening time. Please take this moment and support WFIU during this fund drive. It's no secret that our financial situation is very tight, tighter than it's ever been before. You've likely heard about the campaign to save public broadcasting funding on the state and national level. We need support from our listeners, too, especially at times like this. We ask that you help out now. Every penny you contribute goes to cover programming expenses. Here are the numbers, 855-0811 or toll-free at 1-800-662-3311. You may also pledge on the web at wfiu.org. Profiles lets us get to know the person behind the persona. You know who they are and what they do, but do you really know the person? Profiles lets you get in the mind of some of our greatest thinkers, 
on the local, national, and international level. One such great mind belongs to Stanley Nelson, a PBS documentary filmmaker who spoke with Shauna Ritter about his film Emmett Till, which helped reopen the trial around Till's death. One of the things I read someplace was that something that you're most proud of is the fact that your film helped to reopen the trial. Yeah, yeah, it reopened the case for 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 Emmett Till, and that was just you know incredible. That wasn't what we were trying to do at all. You know, we were just trying to make a film about what we thought was history. Emmett Till died in 1955, but once we got down to Mississippi, it was really funny. People down there were like, "Oh, you know, you should talk to so and so because you know I think he knows something about it." And we and and, and we would seek out so and so. We found this guy, and he said, "You know, yeah, you know, my boss had me wash out his truck with the blood in it." You know, and I said to him, you know, whose blood is this? And they said, it's Emmett Till's blood. And, you know, I said, well, did did you testify at the trial? These guys he said, no, nobody called me. I, I you know, and I wasn't going to volunteer. He said, you know, the Klan had, had the whole courthouse surrounded, you know, and nobody was going to, you know, volunteer to, to testify. No, but, you know, um, so, you know, we knew that 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 if we could find people, I mean, we were in, we were in Mississippi for a week and we weren't even looking for them, you know, that, that there were other people to be found. That was documentary filmmaker Stanley Nelson, heard right here on Profiles. Profiles offers a personal perspective, since it's hosted by people who live and work in our area, people with a vested interest in how our community develops and grows. The hosts are as diverse as the guests. Educator and faculty member Shauna Ritter, IU journalism professors Peter Jacoby and Owen Johnson, and IU administrators Moya Andrews and Patrick O'Meara. WFIU personalities such as George Walker, David Brent Johnson, and Yael Cassander have also loaned their talents to this very special in-house program. This year, guest hosts have included Indiana University Provost Karen Hansen and theater professor Murray McGibbon. Here's one IU professor of music Glenn Gass hosted with rock musician and producer Todd Rundgren. Glenn spoke with Todd about his hit song, Bang the Drum All Day. It's one thing to have hit records. It's another thing to create something that has become completely incorporated into the culture. And uh, I actually find equal satisfaction in, in that. And I didn't think so at the time when everyone started singing Bang the Drum at sporting events and became a drive-time hit. I didn't think that... It was anything more than uh, a curiosity, but as it turns out in the long run, it actually turned into uh, the occasional payday as well because its status as as a party anthem has piqued the interest of advertisers. And now, for instance, Carnival Cruise Line has maybe for the third year in a row bought the rights to use the song in their commercials. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, what was for me a musical throwaway has become a uh, financial linchpin, <laughs> certainly. <so. laughs> At what point did you realize that song had taken on a, a life of its own? Because it wasn't immediate. It wasn't immediate, and and it at first it was a Friday drive time song. I don't think it went directly to the stadium. It went um, first to local radio, and um, I guess the sentiment worked for, you know, Friday when you're on your way home for the weekend and kissing your job goodbye. So it, uh, 
I'm not sure what market it started in either, but it's kind of spread across the country. And this was outside the window of it being released as a single. It never was really released as a single. I think, uh, as I recall correctly, Bearsville didn't really hear much of anything on the record that they felt like releasing. And it did get, uh, I think, a token release, but some time after the album had come out and it just didn't seem relevant at the time but years later literally years later is when the song started to um, become popular again that was musician and producer Todd Rundgren it's not every day that you get to hear how a musician really feels about his hit song Todd Rundgren might be a famous musician, but right here on WFIU's Fun Drive, you're the guest, you're in the spotlight, and this is your opportunity to make WFIU successful with your pledge of support. Here are the numbers to call, 855-0811, or toll free at 1-800-662-3311. You can pledge on our secure site as well at WFIU.org. Profiles hosts have the opportunity to interview some of their personal and professional role models, as Owen Johnson did when he interviewed Gay Talese. Owen got inside Talese's methods and discovered the secret to good writing. One of the early tests that you must pass is your willingness to be around people for great lengths of time with whom you do not necessarily have much compatibility, meaning If you're a person who's easily bored, if you're a person that has to be engaged or stimulated by your companionship to to maintain interest, then you're in the wrong business if you're following in the business I'm in. Because one of the things about that I've learned is sometimes the people who represent good stories are not necessarily wonderful people to be around. They might be boring. When I did this book on the mafia, it's called Honor Thy Father. Oh, how exciting. You're hanging around with these gangsters, and boy, they're shooting up the streets in the middle of the day. I Wait a minute. Is being around gangsters is really boring. You know what we really do? Until I tell these people when I was hanging around with a Bonanno Mafia family in the 1960s into the 70s. Uh, the Honor of the was published in 1971. From 65 to 70, I was hanging around with, with really big-time gangsters, but it wasn't as it is in the movies or as, you know, it's not like you have shooting every uh, every every evening. There were periods just hanging around with these people, and they were watching daytime soap operas in the afternoon. They were watching television all the time. If you go into a mafia man's house, there's always television, the sound from the television, because all these mafia guys assume that the federal government had put in, put bugs in their in their lamps and their wall sockets, and and so they wanted the sound of television. They didn't care what was on television. To uh, to rise above the conversation, so that the so the wiretapping would not carry voices, because the voices would be of some soap opera star or some sound from a some game show, whatever it was on television in the afternoon. So, and and the one thing that happened in this mafia, the, the television sets were burning out readily. You know, it's day and night these sets are going. And then they'd buy another television set and take the old television set and put it in the corner. They never let a television set go back to the repair shop because they thought, oh, this probably that's, they'll find a way to get sound out of that. So you learn little things. But, but what I'm trying to say is sometimes you, you have to be around people for long periods. 
and you're, I'm not saying you're lonely because there's not much to say to one another at times, but you must be very patient, as I guess a great fisherman has to be patient. And it's a form of fishing, isn't it? And so even when I did Frank Sinatra, you think, oh, that's really exciting. Oh, there are periods you're just waiting a long time for an interview and it doesn't happen. You wait in a hotel room for the phone to ring and it doesn't ring. The agent for Frank Sinatra said he would call you, but he doesn't call you. The appointment that had been promised and you wait for it to be confirmed, it doesn't get confirmed. You're waiting. You're, you're hanging around. You wonder, what am I doing here? Well, you have to say, well, I'm doing here. I'm waiting and it's going to happen, but I have to be patient. I have to be quietly persistent. A lot of people don't have the patience for that. They want things to happen. They want to snap their fingers and think the rhythm is all their own and it's going to happen because they think it should happen. Well, it won't happen that way. You have to hang around. And that's the art of hanging around that I use often to describe what I do. The art of hanging around, and it involves a lot of patience. That was Gay Talese, a pioneer in the field of journalism. Unlike Talese, though, we hope our phone volunteers aren't mastering the art of hanging around because they should be busy answering your calls. Here are the numbers to call, 855-0811 or toll-free at 1-800-662-3311. You can also pledge on our secure website at wfiu.org. And while you're there, you can take a look at our fabulous thank you gifts and get some ideas for your holiday shopping. In 2006, Tony Bennett celebrated his 80th birthday with his best-selling album ever, Duets. Now, the legendary crooner celebrates his 85th birthday with Duets 2. As I approach the prime of my life, Bennett joins voices with Faith Hill. Won't you please arrange it, cause I love you. Carrie Underwood. Plus Aretha Franklin, Lady Gaga, Michael Bublé, Nora Jones, Queen Latifah, and others. 17 great singers in once-in-a-lifetime collaborations. If you're a fan of Tony Bennett, Duets 2 is a must-have for your collection. Get it for a pledge of $90. Profiles also introduces the movers and shakers of our community to our listening audience. From the professional world to community issues to the arts, Profiles speaks with the people who help shape our community. One such person is executive director of the IU Alumni Association, J.T. Forbes. The spirit that is Indiana knows no limitations of age, color, creed, doctrine, social, political, or economic bounds. The Indiana that welcomes you here includes in its membership all parts of the collegiate body from the youngest freshman to the oldest member of the faculty and of its administrative staff. It includes all those who have come for the purpose of seeking truth and intellectual freedom. Of such, it requests that they partake of its spirit and feel themselves shareholders in its privileges and in its responsibilities. The spirit that greets you here is the rich heritage of a glorious past made possible by students who, like yourselves, upon entering the university, felt strangely far from home and intimate friends, but who soon adapted themselves to their new environment. The university covets for each of you a like experience. 
The traditions of the institution must be carried on by the entering classes who take up and carry on where the graduating classes leave off. As rich as is the heritage which you find here, it should be and must be made richer and better because of your having been here. Soon, even to those of you who stay longest, will be given the commencement farewell. The credit which you eventually reflect upon the university will depend to a great extent upon how you conduct yourselves in the interval between this induction and your graduation. Make the most of the opportunities while here. Acquaint yourself with the best traditions of the university. Leave here richer in tradition than when you entered. Such is the law of progress. All that has been and all that is of the spirit of Indiana University welcomes you unreservedly. Why did you have that produced? We did that because it's symbolic of where we are. Um, having given that address, it has really special meaning to me. And so when I hear it, it resonates with me. I said earlier, it's not about me. I think, though, like many people, we all have a yearning for a sense of meaning, purpose, and hope. We're at a time when that's important. We may not call it tradition anymore, but whether it's social media, whether it's the organizations we're part of, you know, we may be bowling alone, but we're engaged in other things now. And I think that speaks to the sense that you're part of something larger than yourself. It's symbolic of where we are also because the way we did this was many voices. You know, there was a time where it would have been given by a male voice and a voice that had the experience of a single campus. Now we have a diverse tapestry of people, programs, experiences. You know, again, we've gone beyond stripes to spots, fangs, and feathers mm. with all of our mascots um, and and tusks as well in Fort Wayne. We have mastodons <laughs> there. And this all speaks to the multiplicity of voices. And I think it really shows, too, in the way we did this, that we're all part of something larger than ourselves. We're not one voice. We're many voices. We're many campuses. We come from many places. And we go all over the world. That was J.T. Forbes, executive director of the IU Alumni Association. J.T. knows how important it is to show support for what you love. So show your love for public radio by making your pledge now. Here are the numbers to call, 855-0811 or toll-free at 1-800-662-3311 or pledge on the web at WFIU.org. Since the program began in June of 1997 with an interview with former Waldron Arts Center director Frank Young, Profiles has hosted over 300 guests, from puzzle master Will Shorts to Noel Paul Stuckey, the Paul of Peter, Paul, and Mary. Recognizing the public's desire to get to know well-known figures of political, musical, and professorial dress when their vocational hats are off, to become more familiar with the person behind the persona, the substance behind the image, WFIU created a program dedicated to precisely that area of interest. During her profiles interview, ESPN journalist Sage Steele spoke about how her father's early successes shaped her. Who were your sports heroes when you were growing up? First and foremost, I have to tell you that my dad was, and not many people know about my dad. Many old school people do who followed college football. My dad, Gary Steele, went to West Point, 
and he was recruited heavily by Joe Paterno, if you can believe it, all those years ago. Wow. And now, look, he's my dad's 64 years old. And Joe Paterno just celebrated, what, his 80th, 112th birthday? Yeah, something yeah. ridiculous. He's yeah. been coaching forever at Penn State. Yeah, it's amazing. So to think that Joe Paterno recruited my father. And Penn State was certainly an excellent program then. But my dad was the first uh, African-American to play varsity football at West Point and was actually drafted by the Detroit Lions, even though they knew he couldn't play for them because he had to fulfill that five-year military obligation at West Point. So what he endured there as a black student-athlete at West Point back in the 60s was amazing. And he, he, over the years, he didn't even share that much of it with me because he's just so humble and it's not about him. It's about his kids and everything else now. But the way he handled himself is what actually, I think, helped me um, choose inadvertently who I rooted for. So starting with my dad and how he handled himself, despite some of his trials and tribulations and successes. So my favorite football player was Walter Payton. And I wasn't necessarily a Bears fan, even though now I'm a bigger one because I work closely with Mike Ditka and love that man. (laughs) But I think sometimes when I do think about this, it all ties together. And it's about how these athletes carry themselves. And Walter Payton, when he scored a touchdown, what did he do? You act like you've been there before. It's what my dad used to say. And he'd hand the ball back to the officials and he'd trot back to the sideline. There were no dancing and gyrations and sharpie pens being pulled out of strange places. So I root for people who are just humble and respect the sport. That was Sage Steele, visiting WFIU and interviewing as the guest on WFIU's Profiles. Sage was thrilled to be back in Bloomington, where her career began, and host Annie Corrigan was thrilled to interview one of her favorite SportsCenter hosts. Please make that call. Programs like Profiles don't happen without your support. Here are the numbers, 855-0811 or toll-free at 1-800-662-3311. Or pledge online at WFIU.org. Profiles offers a fun and engaging way for people in the area to get to know, on a more informal and personal level, the copious mix of amazing people they see on the streets, in the lecture halls, and on the concert stage. Whether they are longtime Hoosiers or new residents, such as the newest dean of the IU College of Arts and Sciences, Larry Singel. There's absolutely no doubt that, and this is something that actually is going to be important to me as dean, I think you need to create a culture of inclusion. And people come from different places. One of the things I think that's not fully understood uh, by legislatures uh, when they think about uh, higher education is that they really do want to develop a portfolio of institutions. It's okay to have a flagship institution. Sometimes that's a a bad word. They don't like to have one institution be distinctly different than the rest. But in fact, it's really important because there are certain people who are genuinely and ready and prepared to have this type of experience. And you want to make sure that your constituents are able to do that. And it's important that you get once you get them in the door that you find a way in which they can find a community. I'm reading a book right now. Actually, I was reading it on the plane called Making the Most of College. I bought it for my daughter. <laughs> it was written, she's, I, said, I said she's off to Harvard, and this was written by a Harvard professor. And uh, I actually think I may, uh, this may be a book we're going to use in the college, actually, um, and, and distribute to our direct admits. 
it talks about the fact of finding community. Mm. And that was one of the things that you know, we sort of started here was that it's really important for someone. Uh, he, he told about a story about a person who uh, had come to Harvard who was from uh, an island in the South Pacific. The only person in her family to go to go to college. She was went from a very rural place to a very urban setting. And within the first week, she was already in, feeling uh, greatly isolated and in trouble. And so this mentor sat down with her and says, what do you do? And uh, and she and he says, well, do you play an instrument? Well, no. And he went through all these things, and he was having difficulty doing it. And he thought about it for a while, and he says, I still want you to go and, and uh, try to play in the band. And she goes, well, I don't play an instrument. She goes, I know that. He says, but they have a large drum, and, it, and the drum requires two people, one person to carry it and one person to play it. And you can carry the drum. Oh, what a nice idea. And she ended up participating in the community. This ended up being her community on the campus. And she ended up being very successful in getting through Harvard by developing this community and developing this community of friends. And so I think that's something that a large university like Indiana has to work to do because it is a big place. It is. Um, and so you need to find ways in which people can be plugged in. And and in the retention research, that's one of the things that they actually indicate is really most important. Money matters. It's not irrelevant, but it's not the only thing. And in fact, community is a very important thing. And the safety net. That was Dean Larry Singel in an interview conducted by Moya Andrews. Maybe you enjoy Moya's Focus on Flowers program, yet another wonderful reason to support WFIU. If you haven't pledged yet, What's keeping you? There's a membership option for just about any budget. And there's a variety of ways to pay, including very creative installment plans. If you call, we can make it work. 855-0811 or toll-free at 1-800-662-3311. Or go to our website, wfiu.org, where you can take a look at the list of thank you gifts. There's no better way to say thank you than with a gift. Your pledge to WFIU not only supports programming, it can get you that perfect gift for every occasion. Check out our website where you'll find over 50 choices. Books for the avid reader, CDs for the music lover, environmentally friendly gifts, techie gifts, educational gifts, and of course, elegant mugs. Check out this eclectic public radio gift selection at WFIU.org with a click on the Give Now button. You've seen them in newspapers, heard their voices, read their prose. Now you can find out about the people behind the public images. Guests on the hour-long profiles come from all disciplines. British actress Sandra Duncan, former WFIU announcer and world-renowned soprano Sylvia McNair, Conductor and director of IU's Latin American Music Center, Carmen Tellez. Musician Krista Detour. And the list goes on. And sometimes one guest is very familiar with another. During his Profiles interview, mystery novelist Michael Carita was interviewed by his former teacher, journalist Gina Asher. Carita and Asher talked a little shop, and we got to listen in. Your novels share common protagonists. They're youngish men, though they are getting older. They're conflicted. They're unsure of themselves. They have doubts. Is this a literary tool, or are you drawing on yourself, maybe your friends? Where do you get this angst? I'm sure it's it's a combination of both. Um, 
the idea of a protagonist who's a conflicted character seems to me absolutely imperative in, in good fiction. Um, good storytelling of any sort, e- even you know, a film. If we meet a character who's happy and well-adjusted and everything in their life is just fine, where's the fascination? What, why are we watching this person? So you, I want a character who is conflicted, often haunted by the past. Those issues make the character more real to me, more fascinating. And your job at the end of the day as a storyteller is to create a connection, a bond between the reader and the character. They have to feel as if they, they can relate to this person in some way. And I think most of us are conflicted. We're insecure about some things. We have angst about some things. And it's easier for us as readers to ride with a character who has that sort of fallibility, that sort of weakness. So you get to see that person develop and change and exactly. deal with, with what happens, the action. Exactly. I, the stories I respond to best are stories about people who have to face down their own demons. Um, this is when I, I get back to the idea of the plot is a series of external events that shapes the character's internal journey. And when you have that happening, you have the right balance, I think, in a story. You have to see the person change. If the character never changes, you know, why are we watching? This is a, a question I've seen asked a lot of Mad Men in recent um, articles. We're five seasons deep into Mad Men now, and we've seen Don Draper, who was originally a very compelling character. We've seen him continue to make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And he doesn't appear to be on any sort of journey toward redemption It's becoming a question that I see from a lot of critics. Why do we continue to watch this guy make terrible decisions um, that that affect people in really negative ways? Why are we embracing him? And I think it's a good question. I'm curious to see how that show will progress and and what they'll do with him. Unless we just like watching a train wreck and we're glad it's not us. Right, but you can only do that for so long, I think. And and that's the issue with with Draper. How long do I want to watch this guy swirl around the drain? Um, eventually, (laughs) Eventually you get tired of that. You know, it's, it's, it's a question every writer asks, and I, I like to bring a conflicted character into the story, a haunted character, a flawed character, and try to take them out with some note of hope and redemption. That seems to be a pretty consistent theme. I haven't gone for the purely tragic ending yet, which is really classic noir. At some point, I think I, I absolutely will. Uh, I, I love the noir tradition so much. Uh, the detective story doesn't really fit into noir because the detective usually comes out on top. You know, noir characters are doomed from the start, and we watch them march off toward their doom. That was Michael Corita, a mystery writer who set one of his mysteries in French Lick, Indiana. Whether you live in French Lick, Terre Haute, Greensburg, Bloomington, or beyond, Invest in your community by supporting Profiles. Ensure that we can learn from these voices of our community. Our archive of these programs ensures a time capsule of south-central Indiana, a snapshot as to what our community was like during the time of each interview. Make that call. It's worth it. There are a thousand reasons to listen to WFIU, and Profiles is one of them. But it can't happen without you. Here are the numbers. 855-0811 or toll-free at 1-800-662-3311, 
or visit the website wfiu.org.